Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of True Crime and Cocktails. We're so glad that you're here. As always, I am your host, Lauren Ash, and as always, I am joined by my co-hostess with the most S, Christy Oxborough. How you feeling? I'm gonna say it. God, I'm pooped. You're pooped. <laughs> today, I am I am pooped. Uh, because today was like a very quick finish off this episode, finish off something else, and then football practice. Ah. Uh. Which is literally just me walking around outside for like back and forth for like an hour and a half. And I find I'm getting so much fresh air on those days that I'm just ready to tuck in the second I get home. So yeah, a little pooped, but here we are. Here we are. We're going to pull through. Listen, we're going to pull through whether we like it or not in some senses. Yeah. Because we always do. We always we do. We always do. Now, listen, I just have a little something I want to talk about really quick. Yeah. So as we all remember, I should have maybe taken notes before getting into this, but you'll see how patchy my memories are and you'll all follow me. If you listen to the show, you know, a while back, there was an update, of course, about the uh, the hearings about the UFOs. And of course, I thought this was it. This was it. Christy would yeah. be willing to say to me, you know what, maybe. And her immediate response when Brett brought it up was, show me the bodies. And now, of course, my update is, is that there has been bodies presented. Now, anyone who's been following along with this in the news, there yeah. are some little alien bodies that have been discovered. Now, sure, this is mired in controversy because- Apparently, they were discovered before, proven to be fake, and now they've come back. That is the that is what the the allegation is. However, there was a story 
that came out within the past 48 hours. And some Mexican doctors had done tests on the alien corpses. Yeah. And it is said that they found no evidence of any assembly or manipulation of the skulls. It says that this was proving that the remains were not human-made. Sure. Okay. They live-streamed the entire procedure, which maybe feels makes it feel a little less credible to me somehow. I feel like maybe that's something that feels a little uncouth. Sure. You know? Um, uncouth for the long-dead alien body? It's unseemly. It just feels like, it feels like it doesn't provide them. Look, if we're going to get real about it, then let's get real about it. Well, let's not make yeah. it a sideshow. You know what I'm saying? Some of us are deeply invested in this. Of okay. course. You've been on a 40-year mission, I understand. Yeah. Well, probably 30. Probably more like 30. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jose Zalca Benitez, the director of the Health Sciences Research Institute in the Secretary of the Mexican Navy's office, said that the studies proved that the alleged aliens belonged to a single skeleton and were not assembled with human objects. He also said that his team found one that was alive was intact, was biological, and was in gestation, pointing to large lumps inside the alleged alien's abdomen, which he suggested could potentially be alien eggs. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. he also said he confirmed that the bodies had no relation to human beings. These two corpses were allegedly found in Peru in 2017. They have three fingers on each hand, elongated heads, and... Uh, I don't want to show you a photo because I, I feel like I'm going to know what your reaction will be. But mm-hmm. I have been screaming at you for weeks. Show me the bodies. Show you the bodies. So no, no, that's <laughs> a fucking cake or something. <laughs> it's a cake. Oh my God. Can we get the Netflix? Is it cake people on the case? <laughs> we need to know. Is it an extraterrestrial corpse or is it is cake? It cake? That's incredible. Um, that was almost exactly E.T. Well, they, it says that they had strong, light bones, no teeth, mm. and implements of cadmium and osmium, which is one of the scarcest elements on Earth. One third of their DNA is unknown, claiming the beings are not part of our terrestrial evolution. It says they're not part of the his- evolutionary history of Earth. It also said, however, that they are not beings recovered from a UFO crash. Instead, they were found in a diatome or algae mine and subsequently became fossilized. Mm. So, you know, now, again, (laughs) uh, many, many other people have come forward saying that this is not true. There's a lot of skeptics, you know, um, there was apparently tests on the bodies years past that had different different findings. So I don't know what the answer is, but I guess my point is is that often on this show we will say things and then somehow they they come into fruition. Like we'll talk about something sure. and then it'll happen. And I just think it's interesting that you said show me the bodies and then some bodies showed up. You know what I mean? Six years ago. Well. But we didn't really know about it. Like, I hadn't really heard about it. No, no, I absolutely agree with you that uh, I feel like we manifested this coming out. Yeah. 
And then just to give the, you know, the other side of this, you know, um, Mm -hmm. just because that's, you know, I've got to be fair. Both sides. In my coverage. In my coverage. Uh, Again, there's another article that said uh, the same thing that the first one did. Wonderful. But then it says the Peruvian Attorney General's Office, Attorney General's Office, together with the Institute of Legal Medicine and Forensic Sciences, had launched an investigation years before when the bodies were first found. The investigation found that the figures were recently manufactured. It said creations made of animal and human bones joined together with synthetic glue. They, in turn, were covered with a mixture of plant fibers and synthetic glue to simulate a type of skin. Um, I guess to me, I've got a few things to say. Sure. One, if these are fake bodies and for some reason these experts in Mexico are lying, you're not helping the cause. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it's like misinformation, lies, again, creating a sideshow of the whole event. This doesn't help something Mm -hmm. that there is a lot of people who are Deeply, deeply invested in. In short, what I'm saying is don't fuck with us. (laughs) Okay? Don't. My my favorite thing about you, your passion. Well, because again, I if there's anything I hate in this world, we all know what it is. Injustice. It is the number one thing, both in the macro and in the micro. And if they're lying about this to get, I don't know, some sort of like Instagram or TikTok followers, so help me God. Don't. It's all about the clicks. All about the clickies. And I'm not, I'm not about that life. However, if for some reason these prior studies were also falsified, perhaps government cover up, they don't want the truth coming out. That these little bodies are in fact real. Mm-hmm. Well, then same, I give the same message to them. Don't fuck with us. Yeah. Uh, I think also my second favorite thing about you is the way you uh, say lies and liar. <laughs> like when you're, again, it, it circles back to the first one, the passion. Yeah. Yeah. I just like the very specific tone you get uh, when that word comes out. I come about it honestly. You know what I mean? And like, again, like this is the other thing, like, you know, I know for a lot of people, present company included, this is a bit of a farce, (laughs) bit of a joke, bit of a ha ha, (laughs) bit of a chuckle. And Mm -hmm. we own that. You know what I mean? The believers own that. We see it. We know it. We understand that that's a part of what our, that's a part of this for us. That's our cross to bear. However. Yeah. This doesn't help. No, you know, um, I could not be happier that you're speaking on behalf of believers as a whole. I don't want to say that I feel like I could be the face of the movement, but I'm saying that I'm open. They I'm should interested. have you the face as the movement. Tom DeLong, I couldn't take it from him. That man has been screaming this. He's devoted his life to this. <laughs> he needs to be the face of the movement. Right. But maybe they want a little bit of a female, a little, little bit of a dolly. You know what I mean? <laughs> want a little a little femininity to kind of like appeal yeah. to you know the broader masses potentially i'm saying let me Honey be that taste thank you uh yes absolutely i would love to see you and tom DeLong as mr and mrs alien 
Yeah. You know, like that's, that's your thing. President, and I'm not going to say vice, I'm going to say co-president. Because you should be like, it's not your fault that he had a platform before you did. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You've been shouting about it. Yes. It's just his platform has been larger and sure, and when I've when I've turned to my philanthropy and raising money, I've tried to do it for charities as opposed to like, you know, building missions to space. But that's not the point. I'm not downgrading what he's been doing. I think what he's been doing is great. Yes. And it's been putting pressure on, on the government. And then the truth is coming out, which I do think ultimately is a metaphor in and of itself is important. But it's also a metaphor for larger themes. You know, which is sure. that the people, the public deserves to know. We deserve, we deserve the truth. Yes. We can handle the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, even when the truth is going to stare me in the face, I'm still going to go, nah. Like if I met an alien face to face, I would be like, Lauren, fuck off. Get the suit off. This is intense. I like your cosplay. Like, I'm going to just assume. Yeah, I know. Oh, there's no way to win this. I know. I get it. I'm just, uh, I'm just too hard of an old broad, you know what I mean? <laughs> to, I'll, I'll get there at some point. At yeah. some point, it'll be like, here is a legit alien. This is how we got here. This is how he, they, she, whatever is going to communicate with us. Then I'll be like, okay, maybe. But with how good computer technology is now, I'm going to be hard-pressed to believe it if I'm not seeing it in person. I get it. I get but it. But I also don't think that I want to see it in person. You know, Look, I don't know that I want to see it in person either. I would like it to be preferably not live-streamed because I don't think there's a dignity to it. Sure. <laughs> They can film what they're doing, but I don't know. The idea of live streaming, it just feels so glib. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. Sure. I'd like the bodies to be treated with respect. Um, Yeah, I don't know that I want to be face-to-face with one. That, I think, is the big difference. That's why I don't think I could actually be the president of of the movement. I don't think I could be because I don't actually – much like doing this podcast, people are like, you should interview a murderer. And I said I would rather do anything else. That's not what we do. We do not want to make contact – I don't want to make contact with the otherworldly no. creature. No. I would like to hear about it. I'd like to see some unrefutable evidence. Yes. Now, if they are like, um, I don't remember his name, but from Men in Black, when the face opens up and there's that little alien that had been in, uh, like, moving his body around... If they're like that, where they're like tiny, and that one, I know it's dying in the scene where you see it, but it just looks like a mother at the end of summer vacation where it's just like, please take me now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. it looks just exasperated um, and I'm charmed by it. Again, the creature's dying in that that shot, but to me, I'm like, it just looks exhausted. Um, if they're like that, then I would, I would, I would meet them. If they're like tiny and cute little things where it's like, oh, okay, I could handle that. But I just envision a slime of some sort and I... A slime? What do you yeah. think these are? Swamp things? How dare you? A slime? 
I don't even know what to say to that. There's some sort of a coating on its body. A coating? What are you basing that on? For the sake of, like, our atmosphere versus theirs or something, it keeps them fresh? I don't know. It keeps them in some... (laughs) I don't know. I've never thought of my aliens being ones that are just constantly walking around covered in ooze. But listen, I... I guess I shouldn't yuck your yum if that's what you think. That's how you think well, that's, not what I, that's not what I want them to be. That's just, I want them to be tiny, adorable little things. And dry. No slime. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I prefer most things to be dry. I, I'd like to go on the record as saying, I'm not, well, first of all, I'm not interested in meeting them at all, but I am not interested in meeting sure. anything that's covered in slime. Oh, I've just saying, never heard that me, before as like a theory. Let me put that out in the universe that I do not want to meet one or anything covered in slime regardless. You've never heard as a theory that aliens might have like a sheen or like some sort of a codium. Aren't there in movies, aren't they like they touch something and then there's like a a goo or whatever? A goo? I what are these movies? <laughs> Doing? What kind of misinformation? I'm you? somehow gonna blame Men in Black. Probably. Okay, hold on. Something says something about the xenomorphs in the movie Alien Seep Slime. She's yes, the queen in Alien, and essentially aliens and whatever. She's they're uh they've got a sheen. They're like they're a wet. Yeah, sort of. but I don't know that the alien aliens are what any of us are hoping that real aliens are like. The alien oh. aliens? Oh, my God. No, oh, I, I want it to be like oh, the little one God, in the head no. like you're talking about. Adorable. Oh, yeah. Little little cute. That would be ideal. And well, again, dry is <laughs> ideal. But it's just it's just not how I it's just not how I how I picture it, I guess, because apparently I picture it. So there you go. That's a step. I'm. I don't that want to I've put at you least on the ever spot. pictured it. I don't want yes. to put you on the spot. But at some point, yeah. if there was any way you could do like an artist's rendering of what you think an yeah. alien looks like, I'll do one too. And maybe we can just sure. compare. You know what I mean? Like, what does your mind's eye see? And I think when we look at those, I think very quickly it's going to come out why one of us has an affinity towards this and one of us doesn't. That's what I'm hearing. Correct. Um, I'm up for this challenge. Great. I cannot wait. Uh, Mainly because I want to be drawing it like at a table and have my children come up and be like, what are you doing? And be like, it's for work. (laughs) I like that idea. Um, Also, I'm going to have to start uh, Googling how can I cause a sheen with just <laughs> flat colors? Yeah. If anyone's up for the challenge. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm already in my head. I'm like, what's my medium? What's my medium? Amazing. I just I just kind of assumed uh, probably a marker. I like that. But uh, I just bought some new markers. I was at a Staples. And that's not where I need to be ever. Oh. Ever. Uh-huh. I almost bought a stamp. A stamp that said like copy or something. And then I was like, oh, this would be fun. I was like, fun? What, to stamp things? Like what in the fuck yes. is that? What's that? I mean, yes, 
Yes. Obviously. Obviously. To be honest, the only reason I didn't buy it was that I was like, you don't need to spend $15 on a stamp. And I've been thinking about it ever since. I might go back. Let's be honest. It's... Well, see, and that's the thing. If you get the right word, then you'll just be stamping everything. Yeah. Like, if you get one that says, like, paid or something for, like, on a bill or... I don't know. What's what are other stamps that exist? Yeah, paid. I did see a paid one there. Mm. Maybe I need to get a maybe I need a custom stamp. Okay. Maybe I get this, a custom stamp that says Tom was right. Oh, I just assume you're you're gonna make new merch with both of our drawings side by side that oh, says Tom was right. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna have to happen. Yeah. You well, put it out there now, so guess what? We're in. We're on the hook. Yeah, look, or the two pictures, or Tom was right, and on the back there's the two pictures. Yeah, Tom was right, <laughs> but which of us is? <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. I mean, oh, God. Um, I mean, there's also like, oh, like choo- choose I- your competitor. I also feel like. Perhaps it's two shirts and there's a team Christy and a team Lauren. Oh, you won't like that. Because what if one sells too much of the other? Well, then if I'll it's know. too much of mine, it'll hurt you. But if it's too much of yours, you'll feel bad for me. But then I'll know. But then you'll know which one. I'll just know. I'll know. Like, it's like. Well, they're not going to like when all of my shirts come wet. <laughs> To be clear, we don't actually, like, make the shirt and ship them from our own. No, we don't see the shirts. They don't go through my fingers. Never. Um, I can't imagine the time that would take if it did. uh, 100%. Uh, Listen, very quickly, and then we'll get into it. Just following up on the Tom was right. I saw a very charming Mark Hoppus uh, Blink-182 clip where he said he was in Europe. And he was walking down the street and he saw a guy wearing a shirt that said Tom was right. And Mark pointed to it and said, hey, he sure was. And the guy went, yeah. <laughs> Not at all recognizing Mark Hoppus. It's just you would think that someone who had a, to- a Tom DeLonge shirt, you yes. would think maybe would be delighted to just have had an interaction with Mark Hoppus. Maybe would have apparently not, um, which made me laugh. The- but then very quickly, they released a new music video today. They released a new single. Oh, yeah. They released a new video today. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I, of course, I have not. I watched it immediately upon rising. Of course. And uh, it's emotional. The song is emotional. One more time. It's it's talking about, like, it shouldn't take Mark getting sick or Travis being in a plane crash, because those are the two things that brought the band back together, right? And it's like, it shouldn't take this. We should be loving each other no matter what. Um. Oh, yep. Trust me. And then at the end of the video, towards <sighs> the end... It starts showing all this old footage of them. And it was footage oh, no. from that VHS that we both had. The like enema of the state, the, the Urethra Chronicles, I think it was called. Yeah. It was all this footage from that. And I had this wave of, uh, and I sobbed. And it was just something about like, I remember saving up my allowance when I was 14. I think it was my 14th birthday to buy Dude Ranch. It was the first thing I had heard of theirs. And I was like, wow, to think now that this is a band that I've been listening to for 26 years had consistently, you know, 
Yeah. I mean, I fell off a little bit when 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 Tom left, I'll be honest, but that's sure. I get but I think that, that that this is speaking to that because when I saw those old clips and the messaging of the song, I just sobbed. I was like it really feels like we grew up together even though we never met. And sure. what a beautiful thing. Uh to to be, oh. you know. I mean, Travis sings a couple lines on the song. It's very emotional. It's it's I like, can't handle this. You oh, love that I'm writing it down for my on my to-do list for tomorrow because that's what I've been slowly jotting down because I constantly need a list yep. or I, I just don't know what it's doing what I'm doing with myself. Uh, I'm writing it down for tomorrow, but I think I'm going to do it on the break. <laughs> I would like you to because I will also just say not to be a spoiler, but because you just immediately reacted when I was telling you about this, there is a lyric in the song that is it shouldn't it um, I'm bas- I've only listened to it a few times, but it's something like. Um, you shouldn't have to die to hear me say I love you. Oh. Yeah. No. It's beautiful. Oh, this is. I really love it. I really love it. Anyway, hashtag Tom was right. Um, stay tuned <laughs> for those pictures. I can't yeah. wait. I love the idea that the guy wearing the Tom is right shirt is possibly just an angels and airwaves. Yeah. Or. Um, D- totally boxcar racer or something very not blink 182 yep. or only tom and the alien stuff yeah so he has no concept of what the other members of blink 182 look like that is the story i've written for myself about that gentleman yep um and that delights me well yeah same and and the fact too that even in pop culture i feel like Mark Hoppus is pretty famous. Travis Barker is very famous. I mean, he's of course been he does m- music with everybody under the sun. He's, you know, married to a Kardashian. Like I feel like he's very recognizable. But maybe he wasn't with Mark in the moment. But yes, I think that that's the story I'd like to write too. How charming. Yeah. The idea that it was like, I don't know you Yahoos. Yep. And it's like, but Tom, of course. Well, he was right. Uh, what was. you drinking over there before we get into it? Uh, I'm kind of mad about it. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm uh, speaking of things I'm probably going to do on the break. I'm probably going to swap it out. Um, I have a water, of course, but I uh, stopped on the way home from uh, from football practice because it's our uh, honorary thing after to get Slurpees. And uh, I'll say it: we rolled up, get in there, and it was dark. Like, and by it, I mean the Pepsi machine. <laughs> and I looked at it and went. Oh, oh no. Uh. And my husband looked at it and went, oh God, that looks like that consistency is perfect. And I'm like, for you, because he likes it sloppy. I do not. I want it like the beautiful, beautiful light beige tan color. Mm-hmm. And I want to take a few sips and then go, oh, it needs a break. Yep. It needs a break to get. The better consistency, because I'll say it right now, it shouldn't, like, it half of it's melted. That's a soda. That just looks it, like a soda. A pop. Thank you. Yeah. It looks like a pop, and I'm not happy about it. So, And it also tastes almost a little bit flat, the, the wetter that it is, so I prefer it a little bit thicker. <laughs> uh, so I have been known to go in and go, oh, that's not thick enough, and walk out, because I just won't enjoy it. This, I have barely enjoyed and i'm i'm i haven't enjoyed it all i've been very sad about it and so i'm gonna have to swap that out on the break i might just do a a mics or a i was just gonna say get yourself a cocktail 
Yeah. Watch that video. I'll watch it with you. It's going to be Oh, if you think we're not doing that on the break, we absolutely are. We are. We absolutely are. Um, Now, listen, I have I have done so much over here. I have a cup. It's empty. I'm not even trying to drink water. I got a couple couple of Gatorades going and because I got an early morning tomorrow. Uh, And this is a McDonald's Diet Coke, but it was that's I've refilled it. This is my own ice and my own can of Diet Coke in there. So there you go. I like it. Well, that's a that's a reusable cup. Although some people are more than happy reusing waxy cups. I'm not saying who, but I'm saying if that's your style, we love you for it. Absolutely. Shout out waxy cups. All right. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about Hillsong on this episode of the show. And if you are not sure what the heck Hillsong is, don't worry. I'm going to give you a little background right now. Hillsong is a megachurch that was formed in Australia in 1983. It has since spread across the world with its progressive sermons that feel more like a rock concert than a church service. But what if Hillsong is using the music to distract from the truth that at its very heart, Hillsong is far more conservative than they publicly claim? Join us as we deep dive this megachurch looking into allegations of discrimination, abuse, assault, and even financial crimes. What three Hillsong men will Christy label as absolute scumbags? Oh, stay tuned to find out. The joke is there's more than three, of course, but um, I focus on three. Yeah, is the point. Because, uh, yeah, where there's one, there's many. So, disclaimer, this episode will contain mentions of sexual abuse, child exploitation, and suicide. So, trigger warning for those who need it. Also, my apologies to the Australians and New Zealanders if my pronunciations are shit. I only have to do a few of them, but heaven help me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's Some of them I'm like, is that how you say it? Damn. Okay. Well, doing my best. So, William Francis Houston, known as Frank, was born April 22nd, 1922 in Whanganui, New Zealand. After turning 18, Frank became a Salvation Army officer, and in 1945, he entered a Bible college to start his pastor training. While at college, Frank met Hazel Rawson, and soon after, the couple were married. They went on to have five children, including Maureen, Graham, Brian, Beverly, and Judith. After a falling out with the Salvation Army, Frank worked as a Baptist pastor before moving to Auckland in the late 1950s, where he became friendly with a Pentecostal preacher named Ray Bloomfield. Frank became completely entranced with Pentecostalism, which is a form of Christian worship that focuses on faith healings, speaking in tongues, visions, receiving gift or messages from God, that sort of thing. Pentecostalism is also known uh, for pushing what are considered to be quote-unquote traditional family values, meaning they tend to be very pro-life and very anti-gay and LGBTQIA+. In 1958, Ray felt that his church was getting a lot of negativity from the Assemblies of God churches, so he chose to leave New Zealand and uh, moved to Canada. Didn't know we had him, didn't think we needed him. Um, So with 
Ray moving to Canada, someone had to take over his church. He left Frank in charge. Somehow, this led Frank to becoming the superintendent for the Assemblies of God in 1965. He remained in the role until 1971. By then, Frank's reputation as a fire and brimstone sort of preacher had spread, and he was invited to speak in Pentecostal churches throughout Australia. Frank then claimed he received a divine message from God, ordering him to plant a church in Australia. So he moved to Sydney in 1977, and Frank started the Sydney Christian Life Center, or CLC, in a rented hall in Double Bay. Frank had hoped that one of his sons would eventually become his successor, because heaven forbid a woman do it. We don't even have time for me to get angry about that in this episode, but yeah, it'll seep through. Anyhow, uh, so since Frank's oldest son, Graham, had moved to the UK to become a fireman, that means Frank then put all of his energy into molding his only other son, Brian, in his own image. So a year after this new church began, Brian and his new wife, Bobby, moved to Sydney to help with this church. The church was popular enough that Frank ended up converting a warehouse in Waterloo into a church that could seat up to 600 people. And when I say Waterloo, I don't mean the city in Ontario or the battle during the Napoleonic War or even the absolute banger from Sweden's own Abba. <laughs> the Waterloo that I am referring to is the southern suburb of Sydney. Also, any excuse to talk about ABBA. Of I'm course. Here for it. They're joy givers. Yeah. I'll say it. They're joy givers. I love them. So, a decade after it began, Frank's Christian Life Center, or CLC, joined the Assemblies of God, which started growing in popularity in the 1980s because they used young, charismatic leaders to draw in a younger crowd. Soon, there were 20 CLC locations in Australia, as well as a Bible college that Frank used to train CLC pastors. And then for whatever reason, 40 members of this CLC, which included Frank's son, Brian, decided they were going to start their own Christian community Oh, God, please tell me I'm going to get this in Mullumbimby, which is a nor in northern New South Wales, about 763 kilometers or 474 miles up the coast from Sydney. The community was called Truvine, and many of the members were struggling in some way, whether it was financially or emotionally. So they were vulnerable and maybe a little more easy to pull them into a a group that claimed they would help them. Uh, but Truvine made the members believe they're going to get help whenever they needed it. However, they soon forced members to live by a very strict set of rules, which were put in place by a group of elders, aka a bunch of old white men, uh, who were governed by Frank Houston. According to former members, Truvine invo involved a lot of of physical abuse, specifically towards women and children. And while Truvine, thankfully, didn't last long, the ideas behind it became the basis of Brian Houston's next church. And when I say the ideas, I mean 
taking a person who is vulnerable in some way and looking for a place to fit in and then completely taking advantage of that person to suit your own needs. Uh, we will get into more details about it later, but just know uh, this seems to be the foundation with which Brian Houston built his new church in 1983, a CLC offshoot in Balcom Hills called Hills Christian Life Center. Brian partnered with a musician named Jeff Bullock to form the band Hillsong, which created contemporary Christian music. The band would go on to sell over 18 million albums worldwide, win numerous awards, including a Grammy in 2018 for contemporary Christian music performance for the song What a Beautiful Name. And thanks to the music, by 1986, this small church was suddenly bringing in crowds of 5,000 people. And when Brian realized it was the music that was bringing them their success, he changed the name of the church from Hills Christian Life Center to Hillsong. I also think at some point, the Sydney Christian Life Center joined in with them to become Hillsong. It doesn't matter. These guys are all pricks. Let's just move on. So... <laughs> These guys were all pricks. That's amazing. <laughs> to say that uh, I've had a day, you know? So I just, whatever jagged energy. What I love is that this is because you've had too much fresh air and you're ready for bed. That's what I love. <laughs> this is what yeah. comes out. She's had too much fresh air. Yep. She's a little bit crabby. And these men are the worst. Yeah. So... It is what it is. So who knows? This, the point is, we're only like half an hour in, so best of luck to everybody in this, in this episode with this energy. So, so Hillsong became intensely popular, and in 2018, they became non-denominational because they left the Australian church, Christian churches, which is the branch the Australian branch of the Assemblies of God. We could get into the Assemblies of God, but it's not important. Because I I, I'm not going to call them pricks because I don't specifically know. The point is, it's not important. Moving on. We trust so. you. We trust you. <laughs> you, don't have to say, don't, you don't have to tell us. We're all like, if you don't think it's relevant, it's fine. The point is, I don't know if I've earned that trust today. but that's, I love it. Look. I wrote these notes in another mind frame. Yeah. So that's what I got to stick with is it'll be fine. So uh, the growth has been credited to the fact that Hillsong took the flashy evangelical style and turned it into something that felt more like a rock concert than a church service. The pastors were typically young men with tattoos who wore jeans and <laughs> designer leather jackets. The New York Times described it as, quote, the leading edge of cool Christianity, although it has also been described as, quote, flashy, powerful, egocentric, manipulative, and the antithesis of Christianity. So take your pick, I guess, there. Hillsong grew into a megachurch that started to expand worldwide, starting with a London location in 1992. At the height of its popularity, Hillsong had 131 locations in 30 different countries, including the United States, Belgium, Italy, UK, Indonesia, Israel, Scotland, France, Mexico, Argentina, Russia, and South Africa. Also Canada. I should shout out uh, our home. But 
There was also uh, Hillsong College, which allowed students to focus on ministry training, theology, and music. It started with two campuses in Australia in 1995 and branched out to campuses in the United States and Canada. Since its inception, nearly 20,000 students have graduated from Hillsong College. To quote journalist Mark Fennell, quote, Hillsong didn't invent the megachurch, but they certainly perfected it. More than 100,000 people were attending weekly services, including 10,000 at certain American locations alone. The most popular of the American locations was easily the one in New York, and that is 100% because of Pastor Carl Lentz. Stephen Carl Lentz, known as Carl, was born November 6, 1978, in Virginia Beach, Virginia. After attending North Carolina State in the fall of 2000, Carl went to Hillsong College in Sydney. While attending Hillsong, Carl was befriended by Joel Houston, the oldest son of Brian Houston. Carl started spending a lot of time with the Houston family, and Brian and Bobby kind of became a second set of parents to Carl. In the last in his last year at Hillsong College, Carl interned for Brian, but it was mostly like picking up dry cleaning and washing Brian's car. Carl even started a relationship with Laura Brett, the daughter of a close Houston family friend. Carl and Laura were married May 5th, 2003, uh, with Brian officiating the ceremony. Carl and Laura have three children, including Ava, born around 2004, Charlie, born around 2006, and Roman, born around 2009. After his graduation in 2005, Carl moved his family to Virginia Beach, where he started preaching at Wave Church. He then assisted a youth minister as at Soul Central, which was a Wednesday night church service that was specifically aimed at college-age kids. In late 2009, Brian Houston decided that it was time to launch Hillsong in the United States, and he believed that New York was the place to start. Brian approached Carl to say if anyone could make Hillsong successful in America, it was Carl. So Carl teamed up with Brian's son, Joel, who is apparently some crazy talented musician and songwriter, uh, because they knew the easiest way to draw people into the church was through music. The New York location launched October 17th, 2010, and since the new social media platform Instagram launched just nine days earlier, Carl used the platform to help spread the word. The services were held in a nightclub, and it was unlike anything people had seen before. He made church appeal to the younger audience, especially the millennial hipster crowd. Carl brought Hillsong to the mainstream by making it seem cool and exciting. He was charismatic, confident, and a truly gifted speaker who became the shining star of Hillsong, easily surpassing the stale, angry sermons given by Brian Houston. Carl was described as a force, while Brian was simply described as loud. (laughs) (laughs) Buzzer. Yeah, couldn't be happier for him. Anyhow, but maybe not everything was as it seemed. While Carl seemed like everyone's best friend, some Hillsong insiders said that there was a rule in Hillsong regarding Carl. Staffers were told, 
Don't talk to him, don't look at him, and don't be in his way. So maybe uh, there was something going on behind the scenes that was different from how Hillsong portrayed itself publicly. But we'll get into that in a moment. As Hillsong New York continued to grow, it became Hillsong East Coast in 2015 with the addition of satellite churches opening across the tri-state area. I can't say tri-state area without thinking of Phineas and Ferb and Doofenshmirtz, who uh, talks about the tri-state area all the time. I don't know if anybody watches the show, but what a delight. Anyhow, so by this point, the Hillsong New York branch was were running 35 services every Sunday to keep up with the demand of the crowd. Hillsong New York became popular because of Carl's charisma, as well as his ability to reach people, including celebrities. The first two rows of the church were reserved for family and VIPs. Such VIP guests seen at a Hillsong service include Kylie Jenner, Selena Gomez, Vanessa Hudgens, Austin Butler, Nick Jonas, Bono, Kendall Jenner, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Jay-Z, Oprah, Hugh Jackman, and Lenny Kravitz. Huh. Which I was like, I'm surprised. But then it's like, no, that's his vibe. Yeah. Is a rock rock show believer. Like, that just feels, that is absolutely a Kravitz vibe. So, yeah, I get that. Uh, Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison is close with Hillsong founder Brian Houston. He described Brian as a spiritual mentor. Morrison even tried to get Brian into the state dinner at the White House, but they got denied. But somehow later that year, Brian ended up joining a group of spiritual leaders to pray over Donald Trump, which, okay, anyhow. And he full brags about it, even though he had to like sneak in. Calm down, Brian. Anyhow. So another famous face linked to Hillsong is content creator Elise Myers, who went viral during the pandemic for embarrassing stories about her life. Elise attended Hillsong College for three years. She claims it was an accident and she had no idea that it was a religious school and that she was just going because it was a music school. In short, Elise flew from Midwest U.S. to Australia to attend what she thought was just a music school. When she arrived, she discovered it was heavily religious. She then claimed she was too stubborn to admit she'd made a mistake, so she stayed for the full three-year program. She did end up meeting her now husband while she was there, so I guess it kind of worked out in the end. Um, Now, I have heard that in order to apply to Hillsong College, you need to include a reference from your pastor. And the website really highlights the ministry training that happens at Hillsong. Uh, To be clear, I'm not accusing Elise of anything. She says she made a mistake. The way she tells it makes it for a more interesting story, which is a big thing you do as a content creator. Uh, Regardless, Elise, Elise has said that she and her husband have left the church in what she describes as, quote, a pretty big way. She said that she does plan on telling that story one day when they are ready. But 
if we're going to talk about Hillsong and celebrities, we have to talk about the bromance between Carl Lentz and Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. They first met in 2014 when Justin's then spiritual advisor, Pasta Judah Smith, contacted Carl asking for help with Justin. At the time, Justin was just really going through some stuff. Um, As a very quick recap, Justin Bieber, born in London, Ontario, Canada, in March 1994, he started posting videos of himself singing Usher and Chris Brown covers when he was 12. It caught the eye of talent, talent manager Scooter Braun in 2008. Justin's first single was released the following year, and as of 2019, he had sold more than 150 million albums worldwide, and his music had streamed on Spotify, I'm just talking Spotify, more than 32 billion times. Wowzer. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, Justin has talked openly about how much of a struggle it was to grow up in the industry and how it's caused him to have problems with depression, substance abuse, and reckless behavior. I don't have time to go through it all. Just a few examples of some of that behavior. In April 2013, while visiting the Anne Frank Museum in Amsterdam, Justin said he hoped that if had she been alive in this time frame, that Anne would be a fan, a.k.a a believer. Yeah. Which, you know, he was also young. Very still. young. Very young. Uh, in July 2013, Justin was caught urinating in a janitor's mop bucket. In November 2013, Justin was allegedly seen leaving a brothel in Brazil. Didn't know about that one. Yeah. In December 2013, Justin was charged with assault after hitting his limo driver in the back of the head. In January 2014, he agreed to a plea deal over an incident where Justin allegedly egged his neighbor's property. Justin was sentenced to 12 weeks of anger management, five days of community service, and an $80,900 restitution to his neighbors. Uh, That same month, he got a DUI in Miami. So... Absolutely. In the 2013, early 2014, he was really going through some stuff. So enter Judah Smith. Now, before we get too far, who the fuck is this guy and why am I bringing in yet another name? Well, he's the chaplain for the Seattle Seahawks, which I didn't realize was a thing, but all the power to you. Uh, He's also the pastor for a mega church called Church Home. Church Home is based in Kirkland, Washington, and has sermons that are viewed online by over 300,000 people every week. And in case you're wondering whether Church Home had any scandals attached to it, they do! Uh, In March 2023, an employee sued the church, as well as Judah and his wife Chelsea, claiming that the leaders were forcing their staff to donate 10% of their wage back to the church or risk losing their jobs. Ooh. For Christians, the donation is called a tithe. Some people believe if you pay your tithe, then God will reward you a hundredfold. And if you don't pay it, well, then you're basically stealing from God. Yeah. You're not. <laughs> I just, look, at this point, 
people are already struggling when it comes to bills and the cost of fucking food now. So it's like, let people live. I'm curious if that's a common practice because tithing is is something that people, anyone who goes to church in certain, you know, churches or rather religions, everyone is supposed to tithe a certain percentage of all of their earnings. Now, my question is, is this is making me realize I've never thought before. If you are employed by one of these institutions, is it therefore you have to, like these people were saying, you have to tithe? That's a very interesting, sticky uh, kind of situation, obviously. I also want to know how much are the pastors giving? Yeah, great, great question. I mean, they're supposed to give whatever it is, 10% or whatever, but right. yeah. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, in 2018, Church Home had $20 million in revenue, which included $18.5 million in tithes from congregants alone. Wow. Yeah. But since Church Home is considered a nonprofit, they are exempt from federal income taxes. And as much as I'd like to complain about that, I only have time for one sketchy church today. (laughs) Uh, Oh, but one last thing about Judah Smith before I move on. In 2005, he was quoted as saying that he believes that homosexuality is a sin, quote, the same as murder, rape, or living with your girlfriend. I can only hope that he has grown and and changed his opinion on that, but those are four very interesting choices as far as examples yeah. of what he believes sin are. I wouldn't put most of those in the same category for anything, <laughs> but, you know... Yeah, you know. What do I know? Exactly. So, so Judah realizes that Justin Bieber is really going through it, and he needs more guidance than Judah can handle on his own. So Judah calls in reinforcements, a.k.a. Carl Lentz, and suddenly Carl and Justin are inseparable, and they're spotted everywhere together. At some point that year, Justin spent six weeks living with Carl and his family. Then one night that same year, Justin tells Carl he's officially ready for a fresh start. So Carl suggests baptism. And since these boys are apparently not great with patience, they decide that the baptism has to happen right then and there. But Carl tried to find a private location, but they were being followed by paparazzi. So Carl calls New York Knicks center Tyson Chandler and asks, hey man, Can we use your rooftop pool? If I were a less serious woman, I would make a joke reference about the classic 1995 film Hackers as far as rooftop pools go. Uh, If you know, you know. But back to our story. Carl asks Tyson about the pool. Tyson says, well, he doesn't have access to the pool right now, but if they just need a deep pool... They can use his bathtub, which is custom made because Tyson is nearly seven feet tall. I believe he's like 6'9", 6'10", something like that. So at two in the morning, 
Carl baptized Justin Bieber in a bathtub belonging to an NBA player. It's a wild statement I never thought I'd say because it absolutely sounds like a Mad Lib. (laughs) But here we are. Justin got baptized again in the summer of 2020 by Judah Smith. Uh, Justin's wife, Haley, also got uh, baptized with Judah as well. So Carl and Justin remain super tight for a few years, and Carl and his family even attend Justin's wedding to Haley Baldwin in September 2018. But Justin has since denounced both Carl Lentz and Hillsong. So what happened? To quote Stacy Lee, who was the director of the Secrets of Hillsong documentary, quote, people fell for it hard because they didn't want the authority or the rigidness of the previous church iterations. The love of that presentation, unfortunately, allows one to overlook systems of accountability and structure, the kind of safety nets that are required within institutions that wield so much power. So was anything overlooked at Hillsong? Of course. There were numerous scandals, discriminations, and all-around ugliness at Hillsong. Uh, Most of it, all of it, just quietly swept under the rug for decades. That is, until November 2020, when Brian Houston very publicly announced that Hillsong had fired Pastor Carl Lentz. Carl got fired for what Brian described as moral failures. But little did Brian know that Carl's downfall was the beginning of the end for Hillsong. Wowzer. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. And my energy's just going up. (laughs) I can't wait to get a little bit of liquor in you and a viewing of this blank video because I really think it's going to just amplify everything. In the meantime, dear listeners, grab a drink, hit the can. We're going to be back. We're going to talk more about Hillsong on this episode of True Crime and Cocktails. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome 
Welcome back to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails. Uh, before the break, we've been talking about Hillsong and, of course, the new Blink-182 single. We did watch it in the break. <laughs> Christy Lynn, we thoughts, did. feelings, feedback. Oh, it's nothing but feelings. Yes. <laughs> See? Yeah, yeah. Is the point. It's the yep. nostalgia. It's It's the regret that they feel for having so many years apart and what I need to believe is what they put us through during yeah. that time frame. <laughs> they see that. They understand that. Um, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. It's a friend of mine said, had texted me something along the lines of like, it feels like we're all back together. Like it feels like a collective, oh, yep. you know? And I was yep. like, yeah, yeah, it does. It's just so wild when it's been so long like i assume that's what a lot of the the end sinkers are feeling now that they're like joining yeah. up again yeah absolutely and listen you know when i went to see blink 182 a couple months ago i did post on instagram and i did say this is my personal eras tour <laughs> which is the truth <laughs> yeah yeah I just love that I'm like, God, could I stand at a full concert now? Yes. I have yes. recently, I think. Fairly recently, within the last year or so. I mean, did but I sit down between the opening act and the main event? Sure, but that's like, if there was a chair, I mean, what am I going to do? Say no? I'd be rude to the chair. It would be rude. Let it do its job. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Of course. Oh, All right. God. What you got for us? Let's keep going. Yeah. Well. So while Hillsong had tens of thousands of congregants, it also had its fair share of problems. Here we go. And we're going to start the problem train with their racial discrimination. Oh, boy. Yeah. So Hillsong staff member Ashley Jones was excluded from the planning meetings for a Black History Month themed tribute, even though Ashley was the only African-American female leader in that church. Mm -hmm. uh, and what kind of tribute did the all Caucasian group of superiors come up with? A blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Caucasian woman singing Amazing Grace with all African-American backup singers. Oh, God. A white woman standing front and center and being the featured vocalist in a tribute to Black History Month is so wildly off the mark. I just... I mean, I see how they went, got there, but I just, I can't believe they landed on that and went, this feels right. Um, but Ashley tried to point out how wrong this idea would have been. Um, and she was told a phrase um, that Hillsong uses quite a lot, which is, quote, we don't call the qualified, we qualify the called. Which is just a shit way of saying qualified people are a dime a dozen. So God prefers to choose those who are most devoted. 
Because who would be more devoted for a Black History Month tribute than a random white woman? Get the fuck out. I mean, it doesn't even feel real (laughs) at this point. Yeah. But. And then Ashley's mother, Mary Jones, also worked for Hillsong. And after seeing a problem, I don't know what the full problem was, but basically there were people were people were requesting multiple baptisms and that kind of became a problem. So Mary came up with this six stage plan for new church members that would kind of help avoid the problem entirely. So Mary likes her idea, brings it to a superior named Kane Keating, who uh, said, Great, I'll take it to the leaders. Um, He did. The leaders approved of it. So during the following Sunday service, Mary's plan gets mentioned to the crowd. And then they credit Kane Keating with coming up with the idea. Oh, good Lord. But Kane is sketchy at best. According to an Asian member of Hillsong, in 2012, Kane walked into a training meeting of group leaders and said, and this is a direct quote, I'm so glad there are more white people here today. In the last training, there were too many non-white people, and it felt weird. Oh, my God. And then when the other leaders didn't respond favorably, Kane said, quote, it's a joke. And, you know, if you can't take the joke There are many churches out there who will welcome you. Wowzer. First of all, it's a gross joke for anyone to make. I use the word joke very loosely because it was not a joke. It was a simple racist statement that Cain tried to walk back on Mm -hmm. because he didn't get the reaction he was hoping for. But for a leader to say it in front of a group of his peers and to not be fired or even disciplined in any way is gross. But that's the amount of gross things that don't get punished. Anyhow, um, another woman of color named Crystal Rose told Hillsong leadership that she was disappointed that there were no people of color in roles of leadership in the New York church. The leaders then responded by kicking Crystal out of the church with no warning and having police escort her. Out of the building. Wow. When the leaders spoke with police, they claimed that Crystal had been kicked out in a private meeting earlier, and they had given her a formal suspension. So it was basically Crystal's word against the leaders, and the police chose to believe Hillsong's side of the story, so Crystal was removed from the building for trespassing. Wow. That that meeting, of course, and the... Uh, uh, formal suspension they claimed she got were never happened, of course. Uh, and not only did Hillsong seem to discriminate against people of color, they also discriminated against uh, people who are gay or members of the LGBTQIA plus community. Here are a few uh, negative stories of their experiences. So I hope I'm saying this right, but Omar Abreu? attended Hillsong College in 2015. While there, a professor once said in the middle of class, quote, we need to pray for Omar's future wife. Omar, 
who identifies as queer and non-binary, was incredibly uncomfortable about the professor's comment, so they spoke to a youth pastor at Hillsong. The pastor said, it's okay. No one else needs to know the truth but you and me. And then the pastor suggested that maybe Omar should no longer work with children. Oh, gross. Which I feel says a lot more about who that pastor is as a person. Yeah, you know. exactly. Uh, Omar left the college 11 months after arriving. Then we have Bree Austin, a single mother of three who volunteered tirelessly for the Hillsong Church in Los Angeles. When Bree's teenage daughter came out as bisexual on social media, Bree and all of her children were suddenly excluded from Hillsong events, and her daughter was removed from the volunteer schedule. When Bree contacted a Hillsong pastor about it, they responded, quote, It's all about God. It's not about who's up here. Which is not an answer to any question, let alone the one that Bree asked. Then there's Josh Canfield. He grew up um, with an evangelical pastor father who told him that homosexuality was equal to murder. I don't think we need to remind people that it is absolutely not. <laughs> Jesus. So, so when Josh later discovered that he was gay, he didn't know what to do. So when he found Hillsong, Josh said he finally felt like he found a place to belong. He was made a choir director at the New York church and often sat with his boyfriend at services. Carl Lentz and other leaders seemed fully supportive. Then in early 2014, Josh was given the chance to go on Survivor. Josh spoke with Carl in advance and asked if it was okay that he would mention Hillsong when he's on the show. Carl said, of course, nothing could make him happier. But after the show aired, Brian Houston was less supportive. In fact, Brian responded by giving an interview where he said Hillsong did not have a gay choir director. He then forced Josh to step down as director. Uh, he did allow Josh to remain a vocal coach, but he was banned from performing on stage during services. Brian also decided to release a statement. It says, and I quote, I do believe God's word is clear that marriage is between a man and a woman. Hillsong Church welcomes all people, but does not affirm all lifestyles. Put clearly, we do not affirm a gay lifestyle, and because of this, we do not knowingly have actively gay people in positions of leadership, either paid or unpaid. Carl said, quote, we aren't against anything. We're just four things in the Bible. <laughs> That's a... Okay. Nothing riles me quite as much as a person who uses the Bible to excuse their shitty behavior. Yeah. When Katie Couric asked Carl Lentz what he thought about gay marriage, Carl responded, quote, We have a stance on love and a conversation about everything else. Since that is clearly a bullshit non-answer, Katie, the ever-professional, outright asks, And what does that mean? Carl responds, quote, Exactly that. 
<laughs> what a fucking douchebag. Yeah. There, I've said it. I'm so sorry, Because he Carl. knows. I'm not even. I'm not he even knows. sorry, Carl. That's what's so frustrating about it. It's like, you know what you're doing. We all of know what you're doing. Of course he knows. Ugh. So... There was also a period of time as recently as 2011 when Hillsong would refer gay and LGBTQIA plus members to conversion therapy. Which is interesting because Carl Lentz said, quote, we aren't trying to change anyone. Hmm. Hmm. For a church whose main tagline is welcome home. They don't seem to be that welcoming at all, and while Hillsong may be progressive from the outside, the inside proves that it's run by a group of conservative white men. And you know what that means? Financial crimes! <laughs> and yes, while that segue was fun and I'm very proud of it, I'm not suggesting every white conservative male is the same. I'm just so tired of hearing the shit they get away with. So let's look at some financial crimes. Specifically, Hillsong financial crimes now when hillsong first began it kind of leaned more towards the pentecostal and evangelical ways with like the really passionate sermons and the healings and the whatnot but then brian houston took a trip to the united states in 1989 where he witnessed the success of prosperity preaching basically brian became fascinated by the TV televangelists who touted the idea that Jesus wanted money for himself and for his followers. And now I'm no expert, but I don't think Jesus ever said he wanted money. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could be wrong. I, I am a little rusty on the Bible, and by rusty, I mean I've never read it. <laughs> Not an interest. Are there fairies fucking in it? I doubt it. So I'm not going <laughs> to so read it. She's got her own Bible, folks. <laughs> very different. I do. I do. And to be clear, if you read and like the Bible, good for you. Absolutely. You do you. I'll do me. We can all exist. There's enough room. My point is, I just, from all the things I remember from Sunday school of learning about Jesus, I don't recall him being money hungry. I don't think that it was in his headline news. I don't think that no. was in like the top three or four, at least, of his philosophies. Yeah. Ah, maybe we need to get down further in those philosophies and maybe we'll find it. Yeah. I doubt it. I don't think you're going to, but no. yeah. No. So Brian sees this going on. He returns to Australia where he rebrands Hillsong to be money-focused. Suddenly, Brian is preaching that if you donate money to Hillsong, then God will find a way to return that money to you. The recommended donation was, of course, 10% of your earnings. As you may recall from earlier, in the church, this donation is called a tithe. Uh, Brian then kept finding new ways to get even more money out of church members, like when he introduced different levels of worshipers, like VIP levels, the more money you donated, the more goodwill you'd get from God. And if you were willing to give 5000 a year, well, then you'd get to have coffee with Brian Houston himself. <laughs> Yawn. I'm just 
so fucking over these people. And by these people, I mean fucking rich white men that take advantage of other people and get away with it. So with the help of the tithes, by 2015, Hillsong was generating $100 million annually. And most of that is not taxed, which enrages me to think about. And Brian, uh, well, by then he owned several multi-million dollar beachfront properties and luxury cars. It's crazy that a man who claimed in 20, a 2010 tax filing that he made $300,000 a year could afford multiple multi-million dollar homes. Oh, but that's probably because it was determined that Brian's numbers were not exactly accurate, uh, which is probably why he stopped publicly disclose- disclosing his annual salary. Uh-huh. Uh, and don't get me wrong, 300 k is a lot of money. But could you buy m- more than one house worth millions of dollars? I just don't think so. So maybe Brian lied about how much he was making a year Or maybe Brian was taking advantage of the $1 million tax-free church expense account that Brian and his family had access to and used to support themselves. Also, uh, according to Vanity Fair, the interns who work for Hillsong pay up to $4,000 a year to work there, which isn't how interning works. But again... I could be wrong. So Brian Houston and other Hillsong leaders have recently been accused of potential fraud, money laundering, and tax evasion. In October 2022, a whistleblower, who I believe was their accountant, came forward to point out discrepancies in the Hillsong financials, including an obscene level of money spent by the Houston family. A lawyer called it, quote, Shopping sprees that would embarrass a Kardashian. Included in those shopping sprees were a $6,500 Cartier watch for Brian's wife, Bobby, two other $2,500 watches, a $2,500 set of Louis Vuitton luggage, and $16,000 custom skateboards. I'd like to see them. I'd like to see who's using these skateboards. A lot of questions. Uh, It was discovered that the Houston family used $150,000 of the church's money to go on a three-day trip to Cancun. Oh, boy. To be clear, that is $150,000 in Australian dollars, so it's equivalent to about $96,000 U.S. But if that wasn't enough, in a three-month period... Brian spent $161,000 to take five trips in private planes. If it is discovered that Brian Houston is guilty of any sort of money issue, whether it is tax evasion or fraud, I am just really hoping that he will be charged for it. Yeah. Because I'd like to see uh, that happen. But... Before we can get to what I'm calling our three scumbags of the day, I need to address something that is all too common when we're talking about men taking advantage of their position of power. And that, sadly, is the amount of sexual assault that allegedly happened in and around Hillsong. 
In 2015, Anna Crenshaw moved to Australia to study at Hillsong College. While out with friends, Anna was groped by a man named Jason Mays, who was a staff administrator for Hillsong. Uh, Trigger warning, because this is uncomfortable. Uh, Anna described the incident as, quote, When I stood up, Jason grabbed me, putting his hand between my legs and his head on my stomach, and began kissing my stomach. I felt his arms and hands wrapped around my legs, making contact with my inner thighs, butt, and crotch. Anna said she tried to leave, but Jason stopped her. When Anna was finally able to go, she decided not to say anything, because not only was Jason married at the time, but his father was the head of Hillsong's Human Resources. Also, I don't know how old Jason was at the time of the incident, but Anna was only 18. Oof. Anna went to a counselor, and to that I say, good for her. Uh, Sadly, the reason she went is because she had previously been abused by a youth pastor when she was a child, and this incident brought a lot of things back for her. Again, more men in positions of power taking advantage of people... It's disgusting. Uh, On the advice of her counselor, Anna chose to come forward, telling her story to the head of pastoral care oversight. Three months later, nothing had been done about it. Anna had to repeat her full statement on three separate occasions before Jason was ever even questioned about it. Jason, of course, denied anything happened. However, since the incident occurred in a public place and witnesses corroborated Anna's story, Jason was placed on paid leave. Oh, my God. Brian said, quote, We're talking about a young man, a young married man who did something stupid, got much drunker than he should, which is an issue we've been we've got to keep addressing and got himself in a bad situation. No, Brian, we're talking about a young man who got drunk and put Anna in a bad situation. Hillsong leaders then placed Anna in a volunteer group that was run by Jason's wife. When Anna tried to say how uncomfortable that situation was, she was told, quote, how do you think they feel? Yeah. In January 2020, Jason pleaded guilty to indecent assault and was sentenced to two years probation and mandatory counseling. A spokesperson Spokesperson for Hillsong claims that Jason Mays was given a 12-month ban from the church, but he's since been reinstated. And not just that, but the dude was given a fucking promotion when he came back and made creative director at Hillsong Music. (sighs) When Anna's father contacted the church about the incident, they responded saying, quote, Our pastoral team will continue to care for Anna as they have been, but we also have an obligation to care for Jason, his wife, and family as a church. Jason's actions have resulted in pain not only for Anna, but also for his wife, Ashley, not to mention other family members. Continuing with another story of how fucking gross and toxic Hillsong has proven to be, In February 2018, a group of Hillsong volunteers sent an email listing their concerns to Carl Lentz and Joel Houston, because they were the ones who founded the New York 
church. Brian Houston and his wife Bobby were BCC'd on this email. The email accused several Hillsong leaders of bullying, having inappropriate sexual relationships with female leaders and volunteers, and verbal, emotional, and physical abuse. They also accused some Hillsong leaders of asking the volunteers for nude photos, although some of the male leaders chose to send their own nudes to female leaders or female volunteers without their consent, as opposed to outright asking for photos themselves. Neither's good. I'll say that. So this led to an investigation into the East Coast Hillsong branches, which found that Pastor Reed Bogard had been accused of raping a junior staffer. Brian responded to the allegations by simply moving Reed to the Dallas church, where Brian was opening a new branch. It's like in the Duggar episode when Bill Gothard sent his predator brother to another campus after he was called assaulting a woman. It doesn't solve anything, especially when the predator is not punished in any way. Reed did eventually resign in January 2021, but he never mentioned anything about the rape allegations, but neither did Brian, probably because Reed was married at the time of the incident. Reed and his wife Jess said they need to, quote, take some time to remain healthy, get healthy, and to really see what the next season holds. Again, Not one mention of those allegations. And then there was a female staffer who reported to the leaders that a male volunteer had sent her sexually threatening text messages. Instead of handling the situation properly, the leadership just moved the volunteer to a different group and let it go. So much bullshit gets swept under the rug, which means we are at the right time to focus on our three scumbags of the day. I love it. I like that I say it like that's a thing we always do. Well, in a way, it is. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. All right. First up, the scumbag who surprisingly was the first one to have his allegations be made public. Carl Lentz. Now, on November 4th, 2020, Carl was publicly fired by Brian for, quote, leadership issues and breaches of trust, plus a recent revelation of moral failures. The following day, Carl made an Instagram post stating that he was parting ways with Hillsong, stating, quote, I am deeply sorry for breaking the trust of many people who we have loved serving and understand this news can be very hard and confusing for people to hear and process saying everything while saying absolutely nothing, all at the same time, the Carl Lentz way. So, what the fuck does that mean? And I want you to know, my notes say, what does this all mean exactly? But I'm half a drink in, and this is just where, this is where she's at, baby. So, in October 2020, a Hillsong staffer discovered incriminating text messages on Carl's work computer between Carl and Ranine Kareem, a 34-year-old jewelry designer. The staffer brought it up to the leaders, and once Carl knew he was caught, he decided it was time to come clean to his wife. 
So on October 25th, Carl told Laura that he had had an affair with Renin. Carl then admitted the affair to Brian over a Zoom call featuring Hillsong leaders, which also included Laura. During that call, Brian just so casually asked Carl about a woman named Leona Kimes. And that was the first moment that Laura learned that Carl had had more than one affair. The idea of learning about it in front of other people is heartbreaking, but we are going to put a pin in that second affair just for a moment. So Brian goes public about Carl's moral failures on November 4th. November 5th, Carl posts saying his family's leaving Hillsong. Then on November 9th, Ranine Kareem hit the press circuit and started doing any interviews she was offered. She said while Carl did tell her he was married, he also told her he was just a sports agent. Because he didn't want to confess as to who he really was. Interesting. She said the affair lasted for a month and claims that Carl told her he loved her. When someone is quick to do interviews, it almost feels like, and I'm speculating here, uh, it feels like she knew exactly who Carl was when she met him and she fully planned to use the affair to her advantage and get some media attention, allegedly. Carl eventually admitted to the affair in an Instagram post where he also admitted that because of his infidelity, both Carl and Laura were forced out of the church. And yes, even though Laura is a victim in this story, Hillsong forced her out. They, of course, claim that Laura resigned, but the truth is that Laura was forced to resign. And remember, Laura was part of Hillsong long before Carl ever showed up. So for her to lose trust in her husband and her church support system in the same moment is heartbreaking. A church is supposed to comfort and support those who need it most, and in Laura's darkest hour, they cast her aside. And during all of this, Laura sent emails to Bobby Houston begging her to spare the details publicly because the scandal had torn Laura's family apart. Carl and Laura's teenage daughter had attempted to take her own life, and her parents were concerned about the details and what they might do to their daughter's fragile emotional state. Again, this is the kind of situation where the church should be stepping up to support the family. Instead, on December 3rd, about a month after the scandal first broke, audio recordings were leaked to the Daily Mail. The recordings came from a private meeting that Brian had with Hillsong leaders about the situation with Carl. In the recordings, Brian stated, quote, These issues were more than one affair. They were significant. And at least some bad, more behavior had gone back historically. It is believed that Brian was the one who leaked the audio and likely just to try and destroy Carl's reputation. Because this was by far not the first scandal at Hillsong, it was definitely the first time that Brian didn't sweep it under the rug. By going public about it, Brian wanted to ensure that everyone knew about it and that the public's faith and love for Carl would diminish. 
The audio recording also mentioned that Laura had chosen to resign. Um, although, according to Laura, she was absolutely forced out. Uh, the audio just really tried to make Hillsong look like the good guy, which is like likely why everyone thinks that Brian actually leaked it himself. The same day the audio was leaked, Carl entered a 28-day outpatient program for depression, anxiety, and pastoral burnout, which is a phrase I had not heard before, but makes sense. So I've mentioned Carl's affair with Renin, so it's time to mention the second affair with Leona Kimes. Not only were Leona Kimes and her husband Josh co-pastors at Hillsong, Boston, but Leona was also working as the Lentz's nanny. And since Leona had children of her own, while she was working for the Lentz's, she paid a Hillsong College student $150 a week to be her own nanny. And look, I know this isn't the point here, but how long was that student watching those kids? Because like 40 hours a week would mean that student was being paid $3.75 an hour. And according to Laura, Leona was always at their house, even on holidays and even after they told her she could leave. It just feels like $150 a week was the Kimes maybe taking advantage of that college student, allegedly? Why am I hung up on this? Because my brain likes to pick the most inane detail to hyper-focus on. I don't know why, but to the affair. So five years before the cheating scandal was made public, Laura said she walked into a room to find Carl and Leona under a blanket in what Laura described as a compromising position. According to Laura, she immediately jumped on top of Leona and punched her in the face. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I assume in that moment, Laura thought that was the end to anything that may be attempting to go on between Carl and Leona. I mean, the woman, Leona is the woman that Laura trusted to care for her children. So, uh, but then she learns that not only did it not stop, but it also continued for years. And they tried to gaslight her anytime she brought up a concern about them. It's incredibly unfair. However, according to Leona, it wasn't an affair at all. Six months after Carl was fired from Hillsong, Leona published an article on Medium claiming that Carl had abused her. Leona stated, quote, I was physically violated by his unwanted and repeated sexual touching of my intimate areas. During the years I spent serving them, I was subjected to manipulation, control, bullying, abuse of power, and sexual abuse. Carl denies the abuse and says that their affair was a mutual decision by two adults who chose to lie to their spouses and have an inappropriate relationship. But Carl takes most of the blame as he said he should have done better, given that he was the one in a leadership role. Leona and her husband, Josh, resigned from Hillsong in April 2022. But this wasn't the end of the allegations against Carl. While these affairs were public, it came out that a female volunteers at Hillsong, New York, had made complaints against Carl going back to 2017, 
claiming he had been inappropriate towards them. One specific volunteer said Carl was extremely flirtatious and it made her extremely uncomfortable. Then the Lentz's former dog walker claimed that in November 2014, he arrived at the Lentz home to pick up the dog. When he walked past a bedroom, he heard what he described as sex noises. Soon after, Carl and a young female celebrity left the room with flushed faces. Of course, it has not been said who that celebrity was, and it's honestly not our business. Would it mean that Carl cheated on his wife yet again? Yes. As long as it was consensual, the rest is between Carl and his wife. I just want to know how old the celebrity was because she was described as young and Carl was 36 at the time. So, you know, I'm always worried about that. Mm -hmm. uh, Carl has only publicly admitted to the affairs with Renin and Leona. He blames the ADHD medication that he has been on since college, as well as the fact that he was sexually abused by a family friend when he was a child. He said that being forced to keep the secret as a child led to a pattern of secrecy and lying in his adult life. Since being fired, Carl and Laura have remained together, thanks to some intense couples therapy. They moved their family to Sarasota, Florida, where Carl now works in advertising, which kind of absolutely checks for the type of charismatic person that he is yeah so why did brian houston let carl's scandal go public so many allegations at hillsong are just never mentioned and just everyone turns a blind eye so it's surprising that brian chose this particular scandal to go public especially if brian did in fact leak the audio about it and I think that telling the truth about the allegations publicly is great. But why target Carl? Why not any of the previous scandals like Reed Bogard or Jason Mays, for example? What was it about Carl? Is it possible that Brian was concerned that if Carl left Hillsong, he might take most of the congregants and therefore the money with him? Brian claimed he never once thought that Carl would ever start his own church. But it seemed Brian was more interested in destroying Carl's reputation. Brian did an interview with the Today Show where he said, quote, there were leadership issues that I believe included lying, included what I would call narcissistic behavior. I don't think Carl is really anything like me. Which is funny because that wasn't a question asked. It's just a yeah. weird thing to offer. Honestly, um, though, it. I think that it burns Brian, that he's nothing like Carl. Brian may have created Hillsong, but Carl was the one who made it famous. Carl was the rock star with the designer leather jacket, the hipster haircut, the sleeve tattoos. Carl was charismatic and could easily draw people in. And while Brian tried with his designer suits and his fake tan... He could never reach Carl's level, and I think Brian used the affair as an excuse to tear Carl down so that Brian could be the star of Hillsong. However, the decision to push Carl out publicly 
really backfired on Brian because it cast a light on some of the even darker Hillsong scandals, which brings us to scumbag number two, Frank Houston. Frank, of course, was the man credited with creating the Sydney Christian Life Center in 1977, which would later join the Hills Christian Life Center to become Hillsong. Frank is also Brian's father, and I'll say it, easily the worst scumbag that I will mention today. In May 1999, Frank suddenly stepped down as the head of Hillsong and gave complete control to his son, Brian. Then in November, Frank admitted to Brian that he had sexually abused a young boy in the 1970s. Whoa. The victim, Brett Sangstock, was seven at the time, and the abuse continued for five years. Oof. Brett later said that Frank destroyed his childhood. So it's not really a surprise that all of a sudden, Frank hands control of Hillsong over to Brian, and then months later is like, oh yeah, by the way, I did that because I'm a terrible human. And this is coming out, so gotta get ahead of it. In December 1999, Brian then holds an emergency meeting with members of the Assemblies of God in an executive lounge at the Sydney airport. I didn't even know that was a thing. I knew executive lounges were, but I didn't know people went to the airport for meetings, but either. The meeting was attended by 10 to 12 senior members. Brian told the members about Frank's abuse and the fact that he confessed. However, Brian claimed there was only one victim, and it was a one-time thing that happened 35 years ago. And to be clear, Brian said it was only once, and it was decades ago, simply to downplay the seriousness of the situation. When it comes to abuse, once is too many times. And even though it may have happened 30 or more years ago, I guarantee to the victim it feels like it happened yesterday. Also, uh, to say it was once is an outright lie, as we know Frank abused Brett over the course of five years. It was not one single incident, which also, again, still not okay. The members then decided that this incident was a moral transgression as opposed to a criminal act, although it was absolutely a criminal act. The members didn't revoke Frank's church credentials and they also chose not to go to the police. Frank met with his victim, Brett, at a McDonald's, or a Macca's for the Aussies. He then offered Brett $10,000 in exchange for his forgiveness. Brett agreed, but no money was sent. Ugh. So two months later, Brett contacts Brian, saying, I agreed to forgive your father. Brian allegedly responds, quote, I'll get the money to you. There's no problem. You know it's your fault all this happened. You tempted my father. That's disgusting. Yep. Brian, of course, denies saying this, but if it's true, it is vile. Blaming a victim for tempting their abuser is disgusting. Although I shouldn't be surprised, Hillsong has a policy where female congregants are asked not to wear anything that would make the men stumble. Ugh. I'll say it again for the people in the back. Women are not responsible for how people feel <laughs> or act. 
towards them, especially men. Men is a term I use to describe a male adult, meaning as an adult, men should be able to control themselves around other people regardless as to what those people are wearing. In 2000, the Assemblies of God agreed that Frank should never preach again. But he does. Multiple times over the next four years. Um, even to groups that included children. Uh, in fact, there was even a conference uh, that Frank spoke at uh, where he came out to a standing ovation after Brian described him as, quote, a great man and a great apostle of faith. So basically, absolutely nothing was done despite the fact that Frank outright admitted the abuse. Both the New Zealand and Australian branches admitted uh, they would only reveal the allegations publicly if they were forced to do so. Again, I remind you that a church is supposed to be a place where people feel safe, but it shouldn't be a surprise that the Assemblies of God did nothing about Frank's abuse. After all, at the time, Brian was the national president of the Assemblies of God in Australia. By the summer of 2000, six more victims had come forward accusing Frank of child sexual abuse. And while Frank did admit to the abuse against Brett, he claimed he just had no memory of committing any of the other abuses. Soon after, Frank's personal physician, Dr. Gordon Lee, diagnosed Frank with dementia. When the abuses came to light, it was said that Frank was so far gone, he was physically incapable of dealing with the allegations or meeting with the victims. Which would seem super sketchy if Dr. Lee was also a Hillsong elder, <laughs> which he was. Of course. Gordon Lee later stepped down from Hillsong in 2022. In late November 2000, the Hillsong elders held a special meeting to discuss Frank's moral failures the members were given Frank's resignation, but they all agreed that Frank should be given financial support from the church for his, quote, immeasurable contributions to the church. Gross. And look, I don't care if you're a fucking saint who has magically discovered the cure for cancer. If you sexually abuse a child even once, you're a piece of shit. But these fucking elders were so concerned about making sure that Frank and his wife were supported, they didn't think for a second about supporting Frank's victim. In the end, the elders agreed to give Frank a pension and just to make a quiet, small announcement that Frank would be retiring. Then magically, Dr. Lee diagnosed Frank with dementia and he suddenly was unable to talk further about any of those allegations. Frank died on November 8th, 2004, at the age of 82. He preached up until the year he died, which, for those keeping track, is four years after the Assemblies of God decided that Frank should never preach again. Well, and also when he apparently had such bad dementia that he couldn't talk about crimes, he was still Correct. able to preach during that time. Yeah. Ah, yep. that makes sense. Oh, doesn't it, though? Uh, so the only punishment... Um, that they had ever agreed on for Frank, which was weak at best, they never followed up on, which was him never preaching again. Uh, Frank's wife, Hazel, died just six months before him. Frank, I don't 
know what the truth of it is, but Frank told people that Hazel choked and then had a seizure while they were at McDonald's. They're constantly at McDonald's. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't appreciate this comparison between these D-bags and us. Yeah, no. I also question having a serious meeting about an abuse allegation at a McDonald's? Well, and it's also very twisted because it's, I feel like McDonald's is tied to children in such a way, like there's such a connection with, especially being at the dine-in restaurant where often there's a play place, there's cartoons and characters around. Like it's very dark to me that that was where they met. And it turns out Frank shouldn't even be allowed in a McDonald's. No. Or anywhere with children for that matter. (sighs) So... In 2014, a royal commission was created to investigate allegations of child abuse in Australia. One victim said that after being abused by Frank, he told another a pre- another preacher about it. The preacher responded by punching the kid in the face and telling him to never speak about a pastor like that again. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. I would, I would give anything to know the name of that preacher because I guarantee there's more skeletons in that closet that yeah 100 that i I would like to find uh the commission learned of multiple incidents of abuse committed by frank stemming back to 1945 woof between 1945 and 1948 there were allegations that frank had sexually abused someone at a salvation army boys home in 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 i'll get it tamuka new zealand The allegations didn't actually come out until 2003, but even then, nothing was done about it. And gosh, you know, I wonder if um, these allegations at the Salvation Army Boys Home have any time similarity to when he had a falling out with the Salvation Army. Weird, huh? Then in 1960, Frank allegedly abused a boy named David in the South Island. Between 1969 and 1974, Frank abused Brett Sangstock between the ages of 7 and 12. In 1994, a pastor in Hamilton told two senior members of the Assemblies of God about child abuse allegations against Frank. Again, nothing was done. When the Royal Commission brought Frank's abuses to light, an apology was made. And then nothing was done. Maybe members of the police were too close to the Houston family. I mean, the police commissioner in New South Wales did attend Frank's funeral, which maybe feels like a conflict of interest. You know, Uh, as of this record, 13 victims have come forward to say that Frank Houston sexually abused them when they were children. Nine of those victims were abused between 1965 and 1977. So did no one notice that something was off with Frank? One former Hillsong member described Frank as, quote, he made my skin crawl. Other members have said that everyone noticed Frank's attention toward young boys. However, they all just thought, quote, Frank is a great father figure. Gross. Do we really believe that they believe it was harmless? Or did they simply turn a blind eye because Hillsong didn't leave any room for accusing powerful men of wrongdoing? 
Hillsong definitely seems to prefer the latter. Hillsong representatives said, quote, From the moment Pastor Brian discovered this shocking news around 20 years ago, he has always been very open and clear about the circumstances around this, and our church has stood with him and his family. Which to me is a complete admission that they knew about the abuse and did nothing for decades, which is a crime in itself. But according to a Hillsong manager, the reason they didn't report the abuse was because it wasn't, quote, a current matter. And while everyone else may have moved on, I guarantee those victims have not. In 2015, the Royal Commission found that Brian, Frank's son, had failed to notify authorities about the allegations, which was required by law at the time. And there was a, they felt there was a conflict of interest because Brian was the national president of Hillsong at the time, so he was responsible for the disciplinary proceedings against his own father. And on August 5th, 2021, a warrant was issued for Brian Houston on the grounds that he allegedly concealed his father's crimes. Not allegedly, because even Brian outright admits to it. Brian stepped down from Hillsong in March 2022 due to his upcoming trial. He was replaced by Phil Dooley. And when Brian stepped down, his wife Bobby, who had been a Hillsong staple since the beginning, was fired. And Bobby was shocked. Even though Hillsong was just doing to her exactly what she had done to Laura Lentz. And really, Brian didn't officially resign. It was more like he stepped aside for the sake of the trial. So I will not be surprised if he ends up back on top. Yeah. Uh, In August 2023, Brian was found not guilty of concealing his father's crimes. An Australian court ruled that while Brian did not report his father's crimes when he first learned about them, there was no evidence that proved beyond a reasonable doubt that Brian did not have a reasonable excuse, which is incredibly confusing. Basically, the court felt that Brian had a reasonable excuse for not reporting Frank's crimes because Brian claimed he didn't come forward simply because the victim, Brett, didn't want them to go to the police. Brett has said that is not true. Of course. The Crown argued that Brian clearly didn't go to the police because he was trying to protect the reputation of Hillsong. Brian claimed that was false and said he did tell people about his father's crimes, including Brian's family, his congregation, a conference of 10,000 people, and probably 150 pastors. But that's not exactly true either. Brian told people that his father had, quote, serious moral failures, which is apparently a blanket term used by Hillsong to mean any sort of wrongdoing. It would have been a lot different if Brian had bluntly told all of these people that his father was a pedophile. Yeah. And I have to say, like, using the term serious moral failures for having a consenting affair with a with a person who was of age and 
admits that it was a completely consensual affair and she knew he was married. There's a really big difference between that and pedophilia. A real big difference. Feels like they need, again, maybe serious moral failures and and an asterisk in their- uh, Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, And because, of course, there's more with Brian- um, he has since been accused of working volunteers, overworking volunteers, leading by intimidation and being inappropriate with two female staffers between 2013 and 2019. Um, I also realized because these two are kind of connected, we've just swung into scumbag number three, just FYI, in case we end and people are like, where the fuck is the third one? This is the third one. Of course. I'm what a fucking schmuck he is. Yeah, I went there. So, in 2019, Brian allegedly made sexually suggestive comments towards a woman at a conference. Brian claims he did so because of a combination of anxiety medication and alcohol. Prior to that, he allegedly spent 40 minutes in a hotel room alone with a female staffer, which he claims he doesn't remember because, and you guessed it, he had mixed anxiety medication with alcohol. Uh-huh. Both women have signed NDAs, which is another trick that Hillsong Hill Hill uh, likes to use to prevent victims from going public. The women were also given settlements, which Brian said he would pay out of pocket himself, saying, quote, I want to pay that personally because it was my fault, because it was my personal indiscretion. It's weird that it wasn't a moral failure, huh? At the height of its fame, Hillsong boasted 150,000 congregants worldwide with 131 locations in 30 countries. As of March 2023, there are now 101 locations across 29 countries. 10 of the 16 American Hillsong locations have shut down. The New York location is still active. However, for a church that used to draw crowds of eight to 10,000 a week, they now draw about 500. To quote a former Hillsong member, quote, the truth was covered up and ego, power, and manipulation became its doctrine. From that moment on, Hillsong was no longer a true reflection of Jesus. Reporting for True Crime and Cocktails, I get uncomfortable with religion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, let's take one more break. Hit the can, grab one more drink. Maybe you guys should watch uh, the Blue 182 (laughs) video. It doesn't matter. The point is, we'll be back to wrap things up with a Hillsong episode of True Crime and Cocktails. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. 
Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails. We're, of course, discussing Hillsong Mega Church. Oh, gosh, so many things. Where to begin? Where to begin? Um, the fact that they changed the name of the church to match the name of the band that was successful feels, A, like a smart marketing move, and B, also just so weird and gross. But why yeah. is that a surprise? Um, jeans, tattoos, and leather jackets. I was like, yeah, that really does... Uh, the idea of a, a preacher in jeans alone feels... Oh, it's it's weird. It's unsettling. Yeah, it's like revolutionary. The fact that then you put on, you know, full sleeve tattoos and, uh, yeah, leather jackets. What else? Uh, what's next? What's next, yeah. I guess, is the point. Um, Judah Smith, chaplain to the Seattle Seahawks. Wowzer. Again, you don't think about that in this day and age, or I don't. I don't think I don't. about the fact that it just feels like it just feels so exclusionary. Like, you're, are you suggesting to me that every member of the Seattle Seahawks has the exact same religious beliefs? And the like, even if we're talking varying degrees of Christianity. I don't need to get into the fact that there are varying degrees of Christianity. Like, it just doesn't yeah. feel like there's a one-stop shop. And also, you need a chaplain? You need a chaplain on the full-time payroll? I would suggest, like, I don't know, like physiotherapists? Absolutely. I'd say massage sure. therapists. There's lots of things that you could have on a team payroll. But an official dedicated chaplain? Wild to me. Yeah, great question on, is there just the one? Yeah. Do you also have like a priest and every other, a, a rabbi? Like, do you have every other? I'm going to go out well, on a limb and say, probably not. I'm going to assume not uh, because it's not every religion that is trying to get shoved into schools. Well, you ain't just whistling Dixie. Um, <laughs> the fact that Justin Bieber got baptized at 2 a.m. in a New York yep. Knicks custom bathtub. Yeah, you're right. It yep. does feel like a Mad Lib mashup. But the other thing I do just have to say is it does speak to me to what that relationship I feel like must have been. Because you're right. On paper, you go, wow, guys, like have to do it right now. But it almost speaks to this like intense fervor, like this like just intensity that I think it feels like existed between the two of them, between Carl and Bieber, that it's yeah. like, we've got to do it. we got to do it right now. This is the story. Like, this is what we have to do. Like, I don't know. And this is not me in any way singing the praises of Carl Lentz. I want to make that very clear. But I will also say either... We have yet to find out that there is some darkness that was there in that relationship that maybe he'll come up, Bieber will speak out about eventually. Or I will say it's lucky that it didn't take a further worse turn 
Because if you're spending that much time with one person who is in a psychologically vulnerable state and you're having to move in with you for weeks at a time, you're together at all hours, you're baptizing him at two in the morning, that feels to me like there could have been, and listen, there could have been some real weird psychological stuff being done there. Yeah. Again, I hope that it wasn't, and I hope that that was one kind of like, I don't know, light spot in the darkness, but who knows. Um, To celebrate Black History Month with a white woman singing being back, backed up by black backup singers is truly, I don't even have to, I don't even feel like there's anything to say on that. That is just so on brand. Like, to me, that just makes complete sense. Like, oh, yeah. That's what this, that's what this church thought was a good idea. Yeah. Oh, and that phrase, that phrase that they use quite a lot. I don't have it right in front of me. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Qualify the, we don't call the qualified, we qualify the called or something stupid. That can't be, I don't know. It doesn't even fully like explain the situation. Like I understand what they're doing, but it's like. You're really applying that to something that where it absolutely doesn't apply. It's and basically I, I, saying like, don't question your 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 um, higher ups. Is all it's saying. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I think I was right. We don't qual we don't call the qualified. We qualify the called. Yeah. Oh, God, and the fact that then her mother's. Uh, new system she developed, of course, uh, the credit for which was taken by a white man, Kane Keating. Again, like, I, I, what am I supposed to say? Everything, which is, it's appalling. It Does it shock me? No. Um, but it just feels so like, it almost feels like if it was all in a script, the note would be like, it's too on the nose. You know what 100%. I mean? Like, it's so obvious. Like, it's such a just like lame, rote Yeah, it just never ceases to make me shake my head. Um, I do have to say very briefly, uh, this uh, person, Omar, the one who uh, the leader said uh, that they needed to pray for Omar's future wife when Omar was non-binary and queer, uh, first of all, is inappropriate. All of the above goes without saying. But I just have to take a quick minute because it's been coming up in the – I've heard it come up a couple times recently when we're because there's been some – and look, it's rare for me to – it's rare for me to say anything that's extremely, you know, polarizing. Sure. But I must. The implication sure. that a gay man is automatically a pedophile is absolutely one of the most offensive, wrong – it makes my blood boil. There, are, I mean, there's so much that makes my blood boil, don't get me wrong, but that is a narrative that existed decades ago um, that was disgusting, was completely not backed up by anything whatsoever. And I've heard that rhetoric starting to come back, and I, I absolutely not. I just can't. It, it's, 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 I hate that I'm even talking about this i hate that i even felt compelled to have a moment about it what are we doing what are we fucking doing i can't really yeah 
We want to literally go back in time in terms of our own intelligence. No. No, I won't. There's a million other things I could go on about. There's a million things, don't get me wrong, but I it was because it came up and it's again I've heard it been brought coming up lately in the bullshit rhetoric that's going around and I I just I won't. I won't. Absolutely not. And I think the reason why it offends me even more in the context of this story is that we know that the one of the creators of this exact same church was abusing children. Yep. So it's even more just, it, I mean, it's, 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 it's so deplorable. It's hard to say that there's something that could make it even more deplorable, but I think it's the implication that mm. a man um, who is sexually attracted to other men is automatically attracted to, to children, automatically attracted to young boys. Again, there's absolutely never been anything to suggest that that's true. It's patently Correct. false. It is prejudicial based in nothing but their own fucking projections. Because again, this is coming from a church started by someone who was absolutely a pedophile, and I just won't. I'll get off my soapbox for now. But don't think I won't I, get back on there. I don't think I, I, I won't. like when you're on there. And you know why? Because that's when you're the most passionate. Yep. Well, we've had a lot of that this episode. <laughs> I couldn't be happier about it. Couldn't be happier about it. Again, like, but then again, that this is this is again coming from a group that was saying that being a homosexual is akin to, to committing a murder, which again is just it, th- these these statements. And I think that that's the thing, though, is that I thought we had gotten to a time where I'm not saying that this wasn't still there wasn't still prejudice. Of course, there there. It's never gone away. Don't get me wrong. But I thought we had come to a time where we were making progress. I thought we had come come to a time where it was like we didn't have to talk about these things in the same way anymore. And guess what, Buttercup? We're back. We're back. We're having to have the same conversations that we were having 50 years ago. It's very overwhelming. Very overwhelming. But I digress. Um. Prosperity preaching, I thought, was a really interesting terminology that I had never heard before. And it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. Well, it makes complete dollars and cents. Thank you. Good night. Oh. Um, the idea that the interns were paying $4,000 a year to work there. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know that you should be able to pay, make anyone pay to work. Now, I know in the arts, sometimes there are situations where we pay to play in a sense or you're making no money, et cetera, or there's internships. But the idea that you would be putting out money to do a physical job for a essential corporation, whether it's taxable or not, is just so wrong. Um, oh, my God. The story about this man um, groping the staff member pretty intensely, uh, and then his father being the head of Hillsong HR, again, it just feels like it's too on the nose. It just feels like it's like if this was a story, we'd be like, ooh, that doesn't really feel like it's realistic. Another layer, like, and the guy's father just happens to be the head of HR. Like, I absolutely can't. The fact that he was put on paid leave. Oh, God. The fact that it was like he was drunk and put in a difficult position. You know what's interesting? I think I can say unequivocally in terms of, they say it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert. And I think... It's possible to say in my entire life, 
I've probably been drunk more than 10,000 hours. <laughs> I think I can this say. That's not where I thought I that was going. I can say, I would say, I'm an expert in drunkenness. Certainly in my own. Sure. And you know what's interesting is it doesn't matter how drunk I've ever gotten in my entire drinking career. I I don't ever remember groping uh, uh, an 18-year-old who worked for me. I don't remember uh, groping anybody, to be honest. I don't remember ever feeling like, God, I got so drunk last night. That really put me in a difficult position not to abuse somebody. <laughs> if you noticed, I'm sure you have, um, that it's usually... If a woman drinks too much, it's like, oh, yep. well, look what happened to you, of course, because you drank too much. Yep. A man drinks too much, and it's like, well, then you can't blame him for what happened. What was he supposed to do? He was drunk. He was drunk. You I'll tell were drunk? you. Well, that was your own fault. I'll tell you what you're supposed to do when you're drunk. You're supposed to get an Uber, go home, make sure that you put in a Postmates slash Uber Eats order to McDonald's that's going to meet you at your home by the time you get there. Those are the Smart. things you are supposed to do while drunk. Okay. okay, this is showing your expert level. Just saying. I'm going to do some math and see if the, that I'm close to that 10,000 hours. Um, shouldn't be bragging about that. Mm. I'm being well, glib I'm sitting, to prove a point. I'm you know sitting what I'm here saying? going, God, what have I done for 10,000 hours that I'd be an expert at? The only thing coming to mind is sleep. <laughs> but I don't even know if I've had 10,000 hours of sleep. I was going to say sleep. Um, okay. Oh. Carl Lentz, The Affairs. It's very interesting to me. Renine, I believe, is the first one. Yes. It, it's interesting to me. That one is an interesting one to me. And I'm going to say something that's going to make it sound like, again, are you defending Carl Lentz? I'm not. I'm not. But it does feel like that story is very interesting because she admits that she knew he was married she admits that, like, she was fine with the fact that they were having this affair. And then it is the fact that she did so much press. It's really odd to me. It's, it's, I'm not saying that that makes him a victim. It doesn't. Uh, he made his bed and and his actions caused subsequent reactions. But it that's just a very interesting part of the story to me is that it's like, what did you get out of that, Renine? And it's interesting. This is, a, I am not saying, I am not saying anything. But it's just interesting that it feels like that was what started this smear campaign against Carl. Now, granted, he he did the behavior. So I shouldn't even use the term smear campaign. But we yes. know it, you know what I'm saying in terms of it feels like from within Hillsong there was this kind of movement to to push him out. I don't know. It's just interesting that Yeah. Because it correct me if I'm wrong, she never accused him of any sort of like bad behavior. Right? She was merely going public saying, "Yes, we had an affair." Yep. It's just interesting. Like what? What? Why is that even a story? But neither here nor there. Um. Yes, and the other thing that is so tragic is the fact that it was so public. Carl and Laura's oldest daughter attempting to take her own life. Of course, 
I believe, I know Laura at least, I'm sure Carl too, was, was begging the church saying, please don't release these details publicly. This is, we have a very fragile situation at home. And then of course the audio gets leaked, as we know, likely by Brian. For an institution that comes from a long line of institutions that love to cover up things like pedophilia in this case, um, it not it interesting that when they almost pride themselves, again, going back to the guy who many people corroborated Anna's story that he was horrifically sexually uh, assaulting her, groping her in public. No problem there. They have absolutely no problem sweeping that one under the rug. They've swept so much under the rug that it is very interesting that they chose to handle this situation the complete 180 opposite. There's no way to me that there isn't an, an additional motive. Why would there be? Why is it Carl? Again, like, they're protecting everybody to a fault. They're making mm -hmm. a sport out of sweeping bad behavior under the carpet. And at the beginning, before Leona and that came out, when it was simply a completely consensual affair, I'm not defending it. But it's interesting that it was thrust into the public. Again, that she's doing all mm -hmm. these interviews. It just all feels very convenient to me. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Again, the whole point of putting that out there, to me, was he wanted Carl gone. It has to be. There's no other reason, right? Like, it's like, why on earth would you be so willing to cover up so much stuff for so many people involved in the church, but not him? When also, by the way, he's your star. Oh, yeah. I think that there was, I'm convinced there's something about he was convinced that Carl was going to leave. It has to be something like that. It but also, you thought you were going to, he was going to leave and you were going to rise to that level? You are the most boring man I think I've ever seen, Mr. Brian Houston. And while I am not a religious person or anything, I, I like rock shows. So I absolutely can understand why certain people would be drawn to the, 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 the tattoos and the biceps and the, uh, the plaid shirt, the hipster haircuts and all of that. I get it. But listen, you know Brian, what's you're not even what's close. what's really ironic is we we don't plan what we talk about off the top of the show. And it's funny yes. because quite often there will be something that inadvertently connects to the case. And what I'm realizing now is there's such a connection between us talking about that new Blink song and how it had this like deep emotional impact on us and let it not be you know forgotten that we're talking about this is a church movement that was built on music. And music can be extremely powerful. It can cause yeah. deep emotional reactions in people. And yeah, and it adds into exactly what you were saying, that it's like they created this rock show environment with this music that's winning Grammys, um, the music that's that's moving people, that's that's bringing people in in a different way. It's it's evoking emotion. It's It's compelling a different part of someone to bring them into the religion. Um, yeah, I think that's all a part of it too, you know, which is so fascinating because I think so many people, like again, music affects people differently. It invests people in, in, in people differently. 
you know. Um, the second, uh, well, it's hard to say whether we want to call it an affair or not with Leona because, of course, she states that, that she didn't feel that it was. Um, so I'll, right. you know, say situation uh, with Leona. It's interesting to me that she was the full-time nanny for the Lenses, but then she had a nanny with her kids. And I know that that perhaps this was kind of dictated by the church. It just seems so odd that, like, even that they weren't mixing the children, that it was like, you're the full-time nanny, so why don't you bring your children into the home and care for all so of that, the children? Like, so that you don't require... So you don't require... Nanny. Or bring the nanny with you so you guys can, you know... More man on man as opposed to zone defense. <laughs> Thank you very much. Exactly. That's a that's a Timothy Oliphant quote. Actually, that's right. <laughs> I remember that. Hot as hell. Hot as hell. We that's that's one of the our crossover people. That we both have crushes. Is on. it? Well, yeah. yeah. Catch yeah. and release. Watch it again for the first time. Oh my god! I remember watching that with you in Toronto. Yeah, we were was very excited about same, that movie. Was that the same trip? That we drank all that vodka? I believe it was. Uh, it was rum. Was it? Yep. It was a 40 Fuck. of rum. It was a 40 of rum. Like I said, 10,000 hours, baby. Um, well, that was a single night. What were we thinking? We can't. We were very young. Woof. We had bodies that could process that deep amount of alcohol. Um, I don't know if I've done processing it yet. No, we, we probably still working that out. Yeah. Uh, now, here's the one thing I will say. I did find it interesting that Carl, again, psychologist had on, Carl talking about, you know, the reason why he's had these things happen was because of childhood abuse and his ADHD medications. I'm not going to comment on the ADHD meds because I don't, I, I listen, psychologist had, I'm, I'm not a pharmacist nor a medical doctor, so I'm not going to comment on that. I don't know the ins and outs. Um, I raw dog my ADHD. I just, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the truth. Anyway. So I do think that it is interesting what he said about the kind of, and I'm paraphrasing here, but like the condition of secrecy he lived in in childhood, making him feel comfortable or seek out a similar kind of secrecy or lies in adulthood. I will say, I do think that that is insightful. I think that uh, I'm not saying that it excuses behavior. But I did think that it was insightful to hear that connection rather than simply saying, well, I was abused as a child, whatever. Um, so that's why I did this behavior. It does feel to me like perhaps he's done some level of reflection. Uh, and I hope sure. that that's true. I hope that he is doing um, the hard work because it's not easy. Um, again, that's not I'm not then letting him off the hook for anything. I just thought that that was interesting from a psychology perspective. Um, also, never thought I'd have to say this, but just a reminder that seven-year-olds don't uh, tempt anyone. Correct. It's actually not possible. It's not possible. So, um, God, and again, the details, like this child who was abused by Frank goes to another preacher who punches him in the face I, and we wonder why victims don't report. Again, um, I also think it's so disgusting that Brian used the defense that he didn't go public with the uh, the information he had about his father and the abuse because he was protecting the victim, Brett. Get the fuck out. Go. Yep. Nope. Yep. I got no time for that. 
No time for that. Nope. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the follow-up being that Brian Houston, who did, you know, openly concealed the information about his father's abusive children, of course, then it also comes out that there was some sexually inappropriate things that he was doing, which he, of course, once again was blaming anxiety medications mixed with booze. Um, again, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, what a ride. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've yeah, really I've... been through it. I feel like I've really been through it <laughs> emotionally. Yeah, we ran the gamut of things. Yeah. Starting with the nostalgia all the way up through fucking toxic cult-like, if I may, uh, behavior scumbag men and then beautifully just gently kissing timothy oliphant on the way past <laughs> yeah i mean what more could you want 100 percent, 100 percent. uh also along the way did i start sketching my alien for our drawings yes i did <laughs> yes i did so stay tuned for that dear listeners well listen christy oxborough okay. fantastic work as always 12 out of 10 out of the park you never cease to amaze and impress Look, if, if you think, I mean, I'm flattered, but I'm the most excited to maybe purchase some new markers tomorrow. hey oh, yeah. Are we drawing these live? Oh, I thought like we would in a video or something. Oh, well, we can absolutely do that. How much? Well, it depends how much time do we need. I don't begin to know how much time it's going to take you to figure out how to make yours look soupy. <laughs> soupy like again like you never thought that they would have like a wetness to them never once not one time dry as a bone dry as a bone yes <laughs> I, i'm sorry i don't know what to tell you <laughs> well now i'm sad i brought it up in advance because you'd be like is yours <laughs> what is that a sheen on there i would like i i pray i can have that come across i don't know I might just actually wet the paper, just ha lift it up and have it just running down. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be like a velociraptor. It's going to be like spitting. It's going to be actively spitting in the photo. Excuse me, the drawing. What am I talking about? We can't draw a photo. Anyway, um, listen, I don't know. Yeah, like I definitely have an idea for what I want my guy to look like. But I, I also feel like I don't want anyone to feel rushed, especially if this is going on merch. Yes, you're right. We should take the time it's going to take because it's, <laughs> oh, this is earnest <laughs> because I'm like, oh, I'm going to need time. Mm -hmm. If it's potentially merch, I'm going to need time because I might need to do a couple different ones. Yeah. See how I'm feeling. Which way do I want to go? Is it soupy enough? <laughs> <laughs> how much of a layer of slime can you find? Again, I'm not even meaning like a weird, like, like petroleum jelly type thing. I'm just meaning like a sheen, like a like a wetness. What alien am I thinking of? I don't think I'm. Uh, I mean, I've seen Alien, all of those Alien movies many times, but I don't think that's there's. I'm thinking of an alien. Like I can see one kind of in my head from a movie, and its skin just maybe. Has that. 
And that's, I think, where my brain was like, well, obviously they all have a sheen. Maybe our atmosphere is different. Well, maybe, yes. Maybe could I see it being like a shininess to them? Perhaps. I just want to reiterate, though, if we go back and check the tape, I believe you did say the word slime. (laughs) You're right. You're right. (laughs) Immediately. So I am reacting to that, that it was that it was that not just that there was a a shine to the skin, but that there was a kind of like a snail trail. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I also couldn't love more if we go back and check the tape. <laughs> check the tapes. Check the tapes. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I did say a slime because I just think in my head I couldn't think of because I'm not going to say the M word. I'm not. No, no, no. Neither of us um, are. But uh, I think I was just trying to think of like what's a word that means a wetness and my brain's not well. Listen. It's brought it's brought a lot of bits already and a lot of joy. I also just want to put it out there. If you feel that your medium would be better suited using like modeling clay, for example, something that you can get some baby oil on, don't think that you can't do a, a sculpture as opposed to a drawing, which we could then photograph to put on a T-shirt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what I have now decided I'm going to do. Is I'm absolutely not going to tell my husband before <laughs> he randomly walks into a room and goes, what are you doing? And it's me just like with clay rubbing it down with baby oil. The idea is so funny to me. Oh, my God. 3D. Again, it's just it's whatever you need to best kind of suit your vision. We'll make it work. So, dealer's choice for medium. 100%. I think. God, I hope we get, I hope we give ourselves art homework every week. I'm going to be honest with you. I've already figured out, like, kind of like the outline sketch of my guy. And what I want to do is then scan it and print multiple copies, which I'll then maybe color in like a coloring book. Because I'm not sure totally, I don't want to commit. You know what I mean? I want to be able to experiment a little bit. Oh, we had a deep conversation about the color of dinosaurs, so I can only imagine the color of aliens for you. Yeah. Let's let's say let's put it this way. Big. Huge. And what I love is this is how we come alive. Yep. Yeah, we've been talking for another 15 minutes about this, so <laughs> at this point, we got to wrap it up. Um, we yep. thank you so much dear listeners for coming with us on this very unorthodox, but very us journey on this episode of True yeah. Crime and Cocktails. If you haven't already, give us a follow on the socials on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at True Crime and Talk Cocktails, on Twitter at Not Detectives. Uh, and of course, if you're interested in some bonus content, some more from these two chuckleheads, go over to patreon.com slash True Crime and Cocktails to discover more about our subscription-based service over there. Uh, and the only place for official True Crime and Cocktails merch Alien merch to come is, of course, TrueCrewMerch.com. Um, the Halloween ghosty merch is back. It's been oft requested oh. over the past few weeks, so that is available to you if you're interested. There's also some Burt and Scary, of course, the Burt and Larry <laughs> version of, of the Halloween merch available also. So check that out if you're interested. Christy, do you want to tell the people about next week's episode? On the next True Crime and Cocktails, Northern bank robbery well i cannot wait to hear more about that we love a heist we love a non-murder true crime 
crime on this show. There might be murder. I don't know. But we love something that's outside the box, as always. Hence our very long conversation about slimy aliens. Christy, do you want to say goodnight to the people? Good night, Tom DeLong. Yeah. Good night, Tom. You were right. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.